You already know what time it is. Welcome back into the What Offseason Sports Podcast, everybody. Coming on today's episode, guys, we're doing a complete 2020 NFC breakdown for the upcoming NFL season. Can you guys believe football is here already? We got that great game with the Texans and the Chiefs that's going to be kicking off before you know it, followed up by the Saints and the Bucks on that Sunday so many great games lined up for this week, guys. And with us breaking down the NFC, I have the perfect system in place. But I'm going to tell you here in just a second, as of course you guys know, we're always on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at. And if you haven't checked out the link tree in the social media bios, guys, you're missing out on every bit of content that the show is putting out. Every social media post and every podcast, every podcast platform, if it's what offs season it's in the link in the bio on all the social medias guys going ahead and getting right into the nfc breakdown we're going to take it step by step here in a system that i came up with and i think it's going to be a great way for an outlook on the upcoming season we're going to take a look first at the off season of the team that we're talking about who they lost who they gained and really how they're faring in free agency and with their off season moves then we're going to classify them as the great the good and then the ugly the great with your title contenders, the good with your teams that are about a year or two or a player or two, a draft or two away from becoming a Super Bowl contending team. And then you have the ugly, obviously just the trash garbage teams in the NFL that everybody knows they're just not going to do anything this coming season. And then to finish it, we're going to have a ceiling, floor, and expected the highest they can go in the coming season, the lowest that they'll go in the coming season, and then honestly, how I think they're going to fare out. Really just a records prediction and a rough playoff look. Let's go ahead and dive right into this 2020 NFC breakdown, guys. Let's go ahead and start with the NFC West, and let's start from the top with the San Francisco 49ers, the NFC champions. In the offseason, we know they lost Joe Staley, a great lineman. They did replace him with Trent Williams from the Washington Redskins, so you do know that is a pretty even trade-off there. They lost to Forrest Buckner, you know, traded him for the 13th overall pick, but immediately came back and drafted a beast in Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle in the first round of the draft. And you got to look, that front four is going to be absolutely loaded. I want to say all four or five, how many of those linemen that are up there that are beasts are all first round picks, guys. So San Francisco knows exactly what they're doing with the front line. You got to look, Nick Bosa as a rookie came in at no Number 17 on the NFL Top 100 list. So that's just to put the San Fran coaching and defensive line in perspective for you. And then Matt Breida left, of course, the running back. But the biggest thing to me that I think where San Francisco takes a step back this season is they lost Emmanuel Sanders and they also lost Marquise Goodwin. So a very good wide receiver in Sanders and then their speedster in Marquise Goodwin as well. Now to classify the 49ers, we're going to put them under the grate. I don't think there's any doubt about that. These guys were a Super Bowl team last year. Their elite defense, of course, will always have them competing for a Super Bowl spot. And I mean, the defense is the best in the league, hands down, if not the best in the league, their top five, top three, however you want to look at it. We know about that San Francisco 49ers defense. And then, of course, one of the best tight ends in the game in George Kittle, the best blocking tight end in the game in George Kittle, a great head coach, of course, in Kyle Shanahan. We know about the two Super Bowl losses, but Kyle Shanahan is still a top 10 coach 
in this league. And you got a young team who's only going to get better. Jimmy G, he's young. George Kittle, not an old guy. And then you got some rookies out there as well. So the 49ers have a young team that they're going to be able to build on. And the only concern, like I said, is with the receiving core, but with with drafting Brandon Ayuk and Tavon Austin alongside still having Debo Samuel, the beast from last year, I think they'll be absolutely fine. Now we're going to look at the ceiling for the San Francisco 49ers. I've got them at 12 wins, and I wouldn't be surprised if they made it back to the Super Bowl. My ceiling for the San Francisco 49ers is a Super Bowl appearance and 12 wins. They have all the pieces, everything they lost, they replaced, and I think they're going to be fine in that aspect. Their floor is 10 wins. There's no doubt about this, guys. This is at the bare minimum, a double-digit win football team. And at the bare minimum, they're going to get a wild card spot, but that's only due to the new playoff format. And then what I expect the San Francisco 49ers to do, I think they're going to be an 11-win football team this year with at least an NFC divisional appearance. But don't be surprised if they get to the NFC championship. Now we're going to go over to the Seattle Seahawks. Let's take a look at their offseason. They lost C.J. Procise, which is pretty key in the running game. The wide receiver in Josh Gordon, of course, couple of defensive pieces on the line in Ezekiel Ansah and Jadavian Clowney, but they did gain Greg Olson, so that's a solid tight end pickup. We obviously know he's on the back nine of his career. Not elite anymore, but he can still be up there with the best of them. Uh, Philip Dorsett, of course, another wide receiver there for them. The cornerback in Quentin Dunbar, that was a good pickup there from the Washington Redskins as well. And then Bruce Irvin, also another guy who can bring the heat. And they got some more receiving core in there as well. And they addressed the offensive line a bunch, but the defensive line still really needs some help. That's been my knock on the Seattle Seahawks guys is just the trench plays bad, and that's why the coaching and the quarterback play, it's always having to save the Seattle Seahawks. That is their true hole right now is in the trenches, and to classify the Seahawks, I'm going to put them under the good. I think they're a year away if they trade and draft well for the trenches. Maybe another wide receiver. I know they could use a running back, but if you can get that line play right, you are already have people who can make plays for you. Just get the guys up front to make it happen, and I promise that the Seahawks can see results. The reason I put them as the good is, like I said, Seattle continues to suffer from bad play on both sides of the line, offense and defense. Russell Wilson has been running for his life, it feels like, for a few seasons now. I mean, just a couple of seasons ago, literally, the Seattle Seahawks had the worst graded offensive line in the league, and Russell Wilson led the league in touchdown passes. That's just perspective for you as to one, how great Russell Wilson is, and two, how bad that Seattle Seahawks offensive line is. Russell Wilson still manages to make things happen no matter what for Seattle, which is why they are always relevant, but Seattle's never a true, like, actual elite postseason threat in my opinion for those teams that some of those teams you know that are just going to come in and kind of win right off the bat I don't classify Seattle as that just yet which is why I have them at the good but now their ceiling I do think their ceiling could be a sneaky NFC championship appearance Russell Wilson is magical and Pete Carroll is great but like I said that line play is tough it needs to be better to go further I think their absolute floor for this season is this is a nine win football team at the worst and they miss the playoffs or at the very, very least miss the playoffs, but they could sneak into the wild card. And honestly, my expected for the Seattle Seahawks this year is I think they're going to win a bunch of games. I think this is a 13-3 and football team, but with the NFC Divisional, I think that's where they're going to be stopped. I just don't think they have what it takes to be able to get far. You look like the Green Bay Packers last year, really 
fool's gold that 13 and three record. Yeah, got to the NFC Championship, but got blown out of the water by San Francisco because of all of the mismatches. Over now to the Arizona Cardinals, guys. In their offseason, they gained DeAndre Hopkins, of course, the best wide receiver in the NFL, and the beast in Isaiah Simmons, of course, drafted him. Plenty of defense was addressed in the offseason, rather. Four of their six draft picks were defense. And unfortunately, I am going to have to classify this team as the ugly. We really can't act like Arizona's going to make a playoff run, guys. I know they got weapons. I know they got players. I just don't think Arizona's got what it takes, especially defensively, just yet. I could really put them borderline good slash ugly. But like I said, we really can't act like Arizona is going to make a playoff run, guys. This O-line is bad. They don't have a running back presence. They're the bottom, they were the bottom third of the league in passing yards last year, and I'm not even saying anything about Kyler Murray. The second-year quarterback and a second-year head coach, so we will see improvement there, but I just I don't have a lot riding on the Arizona Cardinals this year. Now, they'll be able to give teams trouble. We saw like last year both of the matchups with the 49ers, and actually one of those Seahawks games, they were able to beat them and take the victory. So I'd say watch out for the Cardinals in the years to come because Kyler Murray is an absolute baller, and I think Cliff Kingsbury knows what he's up to. So the ceiling for this team, borderline good slash ugly, the ceiling for the Arizona Cardinals is 10 wins and maybe a wild card spot. But the NFC West is absolutely loaded, of course, as we know. And you got to think, how does a bad team win 10 games or a borderline good slash ugly team win 10 games? Just take a look at their schedule. They match it well within the division and throughout the games on their schedule. The absolute floor for this Cardinals team is six wins, and I expect them to win seven games either way, missing the playoffs. To round out the NFC West for the NFC preview, guys, the Rams. Now, in their offseason, these guys lost an arm and a leg if you take a look at really what departed from them. Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, JoJo Natson. Look at the defensive side of the ball. Dante Fowler coming off a career year. Corey Littleton. Now, Eric Weddle did retire, unfortunately, but Nikel Roby Coleman is gone as well. Their gains, though, they kind of did well replacing everybody. They got the defensive tackle in Sean Robinson from the Lions, the outside linebacker Leonard Floyd, of course, and they drafted nine guys overall. The standouts are obviously the running back Cam Akers. That helps with Todd Gurley leaving, and then the wide receiver in Van Jefferson and the edge rusher in Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. Also with the Rams, I'm going to classify them as a borderline good slash ugly football team heading into the season. They got a great coach in Sean McVay. I say he's a top five coach in the NFL right now. They reloaded in the draft and these guys were just a Super Bowl team two years ago. These were the NFC champions season before last. Their departures do concern me though because their roster got wiped with a lot of their star power and the only rookie I trust out of the gate honestly guys is Cam Akers. I think that's for a lot of people. I think Terrell Lewis can perform and Van Jefferson will be decent. I don't think you'll have the production that that Cam Akers will, but you know, that isn't a load of trust in Cam Akers either. I believe in them because of Sean McVay, but the talent is lacking for the Los Angeles Rams and the ceiling for this Rams team, 10 wins, 10 or 11 wins in a wild card spot at the most for this Rams team. Their floor, four wins. The absolute worst the Rams could do this year is be a four and 12 team and have a top pick. I expect them to go seven and nine and miss the playoffs. Over into the NFC South now, guys. Starting from the top, we have the New Orleans Saints. Let's take a look at their offseason. Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater to the Carolina Panthers, who was the best backup in the NFL last year. We obviously see what we did filling in for Drew Brees. They lost Von Bell, which me as a fan, and I think everybody should be okay with. Von Bell was not a fantastic 
safety for New Orleans. A.J. Klein is a big loss in the linebacker core. We know how powerful and how sneaky he can be. Eli Apple wasn't really a fan of his either. He was kind of a busted corner in my opinion. Uh, Keith Kirkwood is out of there as well. And Zach Line did retire the fullback, unfortunately, for New Orleans. But the gains for the Saints, the Saints did have a good offseason. They gained Emmanuel Sanders, of course, bringing back the Super Bowl winning safety that was with them when they did win the Super Bowl. Malcolm Jenkins coming over from the Eagles. They drafted Cesar Ruiz, which looks like to be a starter. Honestly, I think the Saints are going to go ahead and start him at the center or guard position, probably at the guard position, not going to put him at the center just yet. Of course, Zach Bond, I think the Saints have high expectations for him in the linebacking core as well. And then the tight end and Adam Troutman, not a bad pick there either. And then the quarterback and Tommy Stevens, that was... I don't know, you know, seeing that, we know Breeze is coming towards the end. Obviously, Taysom might not be the real deal. Um, Taysom is a plug-in player, of course, so maybe Tommy Stevens is the um, successor, rather, for Drew Breeze. New Orleans does still lack, unfortunately, a great secondary more than anything. It is good, but not great. And also, they do not have downfield play. New Orleans does not throw the football down the field. Short to medium plays for Drew Brees, but I am going to classify the Saints as a great team. We all know who the New Orleans Saints can be. The last three years in the playoffs have been rough for them, but they've done nothing but try to get better in the offseason. We have seen what New Orleans has been the past three years. An elite Super Bowl caliber team that seems to really get caught up in the postseason. Unfortunately, that's just how it's been for New Orleans the past three years. They did address the defense well, I do feel like, by adding and keeping key pieces. The offense will still be dynamic as always. Kamara is primed for a huge bounce back year. Adding Sanders was huge as well as now Michael Thomas will not be the only receiver for Drew Brees to throw the football to this year. The ceiling for this New Orleans Saints team is I think 14 wins in a Super Bowl ring for the Saints. I think the Saints, it's, it's Super Bowl or bust for the Saints this year. There's no excuse anymore. You address the defense. Emmanuel Sanders is there, so there's no excuse for only having Michael Thomas. Jared Cook is a top 10 tight end. Breeze and Kamara are still top five. Top five offensive line in the league. The Saints have everything in place. That's why I have Sean Payton on the hot seat after the next two years at the most with the New Orleans Saints, guys. The absolute floor for the Saints team is a nine or 10 win team and a very wild, wild card spot with the loaded NFC playoff picture we're going to have. But I do expect them to win 13 games and get to the NFC championship this year. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the craziest offseasons in NFL history. We know they lost Jameis Winston, Peyton Barber, Brashad Perriman. So some key offensive pieces there, along with plenty of guys in the trenches, both sides on the offense and defense for the line. But the gain, of course, Tampa Bay. It's Tampa Bay. <laughs> Tom Brady is now in Tampa Bay. Rob Gronkowski coming out of retirement. I'm not super high on Rob Gronkowski. I'm really not. LaShawn McCoy, of course. Joe Hag, and then Tristan Wirfs is going to be on the front line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, trying to get Tom Brady some of that protection. It's a great offseason for Tampa Bay, I got to say. Resigned so many of their great players like JPP, Nodama King Sue, and Shaq Barrett. And I'm going to also classify the Tampa Bay. Bay Buccaneers as a great team. Let's not act like Tom Brady having the seventh overall offensive line. Thank you, Pro Football Focus. Two top 10 receivers and his tight end that came out of retirement for him. I'm not saying Gronk is going to ball out, but Gronk probably will be top 10 top 12 or 13 at the worst this year and give Tom Brady a decent tight end, which we know Gronk's going to be at least decent. And 
you obviously know what you're going to have there. And a solid defense will make them Super Bowl contenders, guys. It's simple. You got to wake up and realize Tom Brady is going to be pushing for another ring in this NFL season. The absolute ceiling I have for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well is 14 wins and a Super Bowl appearance. I think they can make the Super Bowl this year. 14 wins and a Super Bowl appearance for the ceiling. The absolute floor, this is at the very minimum, a double-digit win football team and a wild-card spot. I expect them to win 13 games and at least get to the divisional round. Looking at the Falcons now, their offseason, they lost, of course, the running back in Devontae Freeman, Desmond Trufant, Vic Beasley, and Devondre Campbell. So they lost plenty of defense in the offseason, but they did gain Dante Fowler off of a career year, of course, Todd Gurley, Hayden Hurst, Laquan Treadwell, who's an okay wide receiver, the Beast and AJ Terrell, who is, it seems like he's shaping up to be a great corner in this league. And then you got Marlon Davidson and Jalen Hawkins as well. So you did get a good draft from the Falcons this year. I am going to classify the Falcons as a good team walking in, but they could turn bad sooner than later. They could also turn on the Jets and win the NFC South this year. The Falcons are one of the most interesting teams coming into this NFL season. This team turned it on last year at the end of the year in the second half of the season, going 6-2 and two compared to 1-7 and seven to start the year, flipping the script to a very solid defense. The offense has always been there. Everybody knows that with Julio Jones, now Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst. If Gurley's what he's supposed to be, he's going to be top 10 in the league. I think that's no doubt. Um, but they've just never had a huge running back presence, which they attempted to go get in Todd Gurley. Atlanta had a good draft and a good offseason, and in my opinion, they did all they could to improve this year. Their ceiling, I think Atlanta could also be a double-digit win football team. 12 wins and a divisional round appearance is my ceiling for the Atlanta Falcons. Their floor is seven wins and missing the playoffs, but I do expect them to have nine wins and catch a wild card spot in the coming season. And then to round out the NFC South for the 2020 NFC preview, guys. I got the Carolina Panthers offseason. We know they lost Ron Rivera. That's going to be tough for them. I know they gave up on Ron Rivera at the end, but Ron Rivera is still a good coach in this league. Of course, losing Cam Newton, he went to the Patriots. Losing Kyle Allen, also Greg Olson, Gerald McCoy, Bruce Urban, Luke Keekley. These guys lost some players in the offseason, and they lost a lot of linemen as well. They did gain the rookie head coach in Matt rule who I'm really not high on at all this season. Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater from the New Orleans Saints, Robbie Anderson, they did get the guard in Russell Okung, who seems to be an okay guy. I'm not worried about Eli Apple going over there. And then they did draft the monster on the defensive line out of Auburn, Derek Brown. He's NFL ready. He's going to be a presence in this coming year. But I am going to classify the Panthers as an ugly team. This is a rookie head coach out of college. You're asking Teddy Bridgewater to give you 16 games, which we really don't know if he can do. I respect what he did for the Saints, and Pro Football Focus does give them the 17th overall offensive line heading into this year. Lack of experience with Teddy Bridgewater, plus a bottom third of the league offensive line, I I don't really know if I can get down with that. Outside of the defensive line, the defense is problematic. You got to deal with Brady, Breeze, and Ryan for six games on your season, which will be tough for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. And the coaching staff virtually have no NFL experience. The most this Panthers team can do, their absolute ceiling is seven wins if they can mess around and steal a division win or two. Their absolute floor, 
This is a single-win football team. That's the worst they could do this year. But I only expect them to rally out two wins for the season. I think they're going to struggle all year while Christian McCaffrey will ball out and attempt to carry them. Then they're going to be primed for either Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. These guys will have a top-five pick in this coming draft. Over to the NFC East. Now, let's start with these Dallas Cowboys. This might be the most talented team they've had in recent memory now with all the offseason acquisitions and now with the coaching acquisition as well. They got Jason Garrett the hell out of there. Thank God. Loads of linemen, but specifically the linemen that left, Travis Frederick, Michael Bennett, and Robert Quinn. Now, they did get some weapons that were out of there also. Weapons that left were Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, and Tavon Austin. They they lost kind of a bit this offseason. Jeff Heath is gone. Byron Jones is gone. Malik Collins, really good defensive players for the Cowboys are not on that roster this year, but they did get some gains. They restocked for sure. Mike McCarthy for the head coach, Gerald McCoy on the line, Don Terry Poe, of course, they actually went and signed Alden Smith out of free agency. CeeDee Lamb is going to be a beast as a rookie. Don't be surprised if he could push for rookie of the year. And then, of course, Trevon Diggs, the quarterback from Alabama, will provide in that secondary as well. I'm going to put the Cowboys as a borderline good to great team. I think they're a year or two away, maybe. I just don't have full trust in the Cowboys this season, which is why I would put them at a borderline good to great team. But in reality, these guys could easily be a Super Bowl winning team. I'm going to keep them at borderline good to great. Obviously, having new life in Mike McCarthy will be everything for Dallas this coming season. They have such a loaded roster. We know that it's top five. No doubt. It's a top five offense. No doubt. They did lose pieces on both sides of the ball, but they did well to replenish their losses in the offseason, guys. I just don't know if Dak's going to be what he needs to be this year, and that's really what the season rides on. How does Mike McCarthy work in that offense? I think Mike McCarthy will do just fine. He's just got to feed Zeke, and he's got he knows how to pass the ball. We know that, guys. He is not a run-happy guy, though. Dak and McCarthy incline me to put them borderline, unfortunately. The ceiling... For this Cowboys team, though, with all the talent they have on that damn roster, this is a 14-win team and an NFC championship-capable team. No doubt about that. Their absolute floor would be seven wins without a playoff appearance. I only say seven wins because the Cowboys can just be streaky sometimes, and I think we've all understood that in the past. I expect them realistically to go 12-4, and an NFC divisional appearance. The Philadelphia Eagles, they lost in the offseason. The safety in Malcolm Jenkins to New Orleans Really a great running back, in my opinion. I like Jordan Howard. I wouldn't say a great running back, but this guy's solid. They lost Jordan Howard. Nelson Aguilar, which he wasn't catching anything anyways. Darren Sproles retired, of course. Jason Peters is gone. And Nigel Bradham as well. So they did take a hit there on the offensive line. Now, they did draft the wide receiver in Jalen Rieger. They, of course, did take Jalen Hurts, who I am so excited to watch in this coming NFL season, guys. Kavon Wallace, the safety, of course. And then the offensive lineman in Jack Driscoll as well. They hauled in a ton of defense, highlighted by Darius Slay, Javon Hargrave, and Nikkel Roby Coleman. I am going to put this Eagles team as a good team. They're a year or two away from being a title contender, in my opinion. Carson Wentz has to stay healthy. I've, I, guys, I've only been podcasting for a year, and I think I've already said this five times. Carson Wentz has to stay healthy. Carson Wentz is a great quarterback when he's healthy. But when is he healthy? 
when is he going to give you all those games? And I know he hasn't missed a ton of games if you actually go and look back at his numbers, but he drops off when the when the Eagles least need him to. Carson Wentz has to stay healthy. Your season starts and ends with the quarterback, guys. We have seen what Carson Wentz can do when he's healthy, but like I said, when the hell do we see him healthy? The Eagles were decimated by injuries last year, so hopefully they do come back healthy. The Eagles are a solid team with a very solid coach in Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning coach in Doug Peterson. What a season for Philly that was when they were able to ride Nick Foles to the championship ring. But like I said, it all depends on the health of the team. We know they're talented. How is Carson Wentz going to be? The most I think that this Eagles team can do is go 9-7 and seven and a, a super sneaky wild card appearance. I do have them at a floor of four or five wins at the absolute worst. I do expect them to only win seven games this year. Go take a look at their schedule. It's pretty tough. The New York Giants, their offseason losses, man, they cleaned house got rid of the head coach, got rid of the offensive coordinator, got rid of the defensive coordinator, but they needed to. The Giants were 9-23 and under Pat Shermer, so that's obviously trash. DeAndre Baker, for the time being, is gone, of course. Eli Manning is gone. Bethea and Ogletree are gone as well, and Cody Latimer and Antonio Hamilton. So not only did they really clean, they they are just, they're cleaning it out everywhere. They're absolutely doing a a redo. James Bradbury was the best pickup for them in the offseason, though. Cornerback signed for three years, $45 million, so they paid him. He better perform. Of course, Blake Martinez, the linebacker, the tight end, and Levine Toilolo, which they paid him way too much money, in my opinion. Um, they got Kyler Fackrell uh, from the Packers, so that's a good pickup right there. And then they did draft the offensive tackle in Andrew Thomas, a very good lineman out of the University of Georgia. Xavier McKinney, the safety, and then Tay Crowder, also Mr. Irrelevant. The very last pick, actually, if you didn't know that, in the NFL draft linebacker out of Georgia. No doubt about this one. We're classifying the Giants as the ugly. <laughs> this one's so simple, guys. Everyone on the coaching staff is brand new. Freddie Kitchens is the tight end coach. Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator. The Patriots' former wide receivers coach, special teams coach, whatever it was, Joe Judge, is the head coach now for the New York Giants, and he's never been a uh, head coach before. You got a sophomore quarterback who obviously is not special. Daniel Jones has potential to be special, but he's not special right now. The Giants have some players, yes, but we know they aren't anything real right now. The most these Giants are going to do is win five games. I think they can go 0-16 at the very least, but I expect these guys to be a 3-13 team this year. And then rounding out the NFC East, guys, we have the Washington football team. We're going to take a look at their offseason losses. Of course, Jay Gruden, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, couple backups there, Josh Norman, Quentin Dunbar, Vernon Davis. So plenty of defensive players were taken off of the um, offensive and defensive players, rather. Plenty of players taken off the Washington football team. Jordan Reed, Paul Richardson, and then Dominique Rogers, Crow Marty as well. They did have some decent gains. A great head coaching hire, in my opinion, in Ron Rivera. They got Kyle Allen in there. I don't think Kyle Allen was a great quarterback, but I do think Kyle Allen was decent for the Panthers last year. And then you got to see they picked up Thomas Davis, a good running back in Peyton Barber. They got Kendall Fuller. They picked up Cody Latimer from the Giants. And then they brought in J.D. McKissick as well. Drafted the best player in the draft in Chase Young, of course, out of Ohio State. The steal in Antonio Gibson and in Antonio Gandy-Golden. Both of those are great wide receivers right there. And then the offensive tackle in Sadiq Charles out of LSU is a great pickup as well. 
No question about this one, though, guys. We're going to classify them as the ugly as well. Just like the Giants, it's really simple. No real threat on this team. A, a few players, yes, but the offense is probably the worst in the league, realistically. The team had a good draft, no doubt, but this is still a team that has many steps to take before they're even relevant. The ceiling for this team is four. I think this could be another 0-16 team at the very worst, but I expect them to go 3-13. and Heading into the last division now, everybody, for the NFC breakdown here for the upcoming 2020 NFL season. I'm Adam Lewis, of course, host of the What Off Season Sports Podcast, everybody. Please never forget we're available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at. And if you're not checking out the link tree in the bio, you're missing every bit of What Off Season content, ladies and gentlemen. The Chicago Bears. Duh, Bears. Let's take a look at their offseason losses. They lost the Garden Kyle Long, which that was big there for them. Leonard Floyd is out of there as well. Prince Amukamara was a solid cornerback who is not playing for them anymore. Haha, ha, Clinton Dix is out of town. Trey Burton and Taylor Gabriel as well said, see you later to the Chicago Bears. Now, they did pick up Jimmy Graham. Not great. Jimmy Graham has not been anything since his New Orleans Saints days, but a good defensive end in Robert Quinn. A very good defensive end in Robert Quinn. The cornerback, the quarterback in Nick Foles, of course, which they did sign, picking up Ted Ginn Jr. from the New Orleans Saints, and then the safety in Tayshawn Gibson as well. But I'm going to classify these Bears as a borderline good to bad team. This was an 8-8 eight and eight team last year, but that was solely hindered on the subpar quarterback play of Mitchell Trubisky. Has, of course, Mitchell Trubisky has yet to show us, guys, why he should be Chicago's guy. I really did predict the Bears to move off him after two years or more, Max, and I'm still sticking to that. I think Trubisky has one more year, and after that, I think it's over with for him. The Bears are a talented team with a good coach in Matt Nagy, one of the best defenses in football. We all know that without a question. But the best they have been in a while, they do not need to let this go to waste with garbage quarterback play from Mitchell Trubisky. Nine wins at the most is my ceiling for the Chicago Bears with a really sneaky wild card appearance. At the very least, this could be a four-win football team, but I expect them to go 6-10 and 10 for the 2020 NFL season. The Minnesota Vikings, let's take a look at their offseason losses. Kevin Stefanski is out of there, so that's big to lose an offensive coordinator as lethal as him. The wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, we know that's a step back for them. Xavier Rhodes is gone, as well as Trey Wayne, so that is two key defensive players gone for them. Also, Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph, these guys took a hit on the defensive side of the ball, no question. They did get Justin Jefferson from the draft, the cornerback and Jeff Gladney as well. The offensive tackle and Ezra Cleveland, I think is going to be ready to start in the NFL. And then, of course, we know they got Yannick Ngakwe. So he's a solid replacement for Everson Griffin. Some people argue he's younger and better. Younger, yes. Better, that is subjective. I'm going to classify the Minnesota Vikings as a good team, though. Minnesota has a loaded offense, really a loaded roster. There's no question about that. It is tough to get past, but the offense has talent that is spread all over from Dalvin Cook to Adam Thielen to, of course, Kyle Rudolph. They hang with the likes of great offense of talent in the NFL, but Kirk Cousins is still very questionable. He's never been a consistent guy. He did have the biggest throw of his career against New Orleans in that wild card playoff game, but besides that, we're, I mean, the guy's never even won a primetime game. Biggest game of his career was, of course, eliminating New Orleans last year in the playoffs. 
And he continues to hold this team back from greatness, in my opinion. I think the Minnesota Vikings can be a Super Bowl caliber team if they can fix the quarterback situation. With them also losing their offensive coordinator as well, I cannot put Minnesota in the Super Bowl conversation just yet. The ceiling for this Minnesota team, though, is going to be 12 wins when an NFC Championship appearance, if Kirk Cousins will play right. The very least this Minnesota team will do is I think they'll go 6-10, and 10, but I expect them to win eight games and miss the playoffs this year. Down to the last two teams, guys, for this NFC breakdown. The Detroit Lions, we know they lost Darius Slay in the cornerback position. Graham Glasgow as well, losing Rick Wagner. Devon Kennard, Ashawn Robinson, losing J.D. McKissick, and then the backup in Jeff Driscoll. So they lost some key pieces as well, especially on the defensive side of the ball gaining Jamie Collins that's a good pickup there bringing in Chase Daniel for the backup in case uh, obviously Matthew Stafford goes through something again Desmond Trufant bringing him over from Atlanta is a solid pickup for him Reggie Ragland as well a good uh, a good linebacker receiving Geronimo Allison as well from the Packers so there's someone to line up on the other side as well from Kenny Galladay and then the cornerback in Jeff Okuda who they drafted one of the best corners in the draft top three running back maybe the second best running back in the draft in DeAndre Swift and then Quintez Cephas as well who is going to be able to uh, he's going to have to come out and perform as quickly as the Lions need him to but this is without a question. The Lions are a bad team guys. This one is not hard either. The last eight times the Lions made the playoffs all of them were first round wild card exits every single time. They've missed the playoffs the last three seasons. And honestly, there is no real threat on this line team, if you ask me. And I am not with the Matthew Stafford hype. I repeat, I am not with the Matthew Stafford hype. The Lions have many years and many drafts ahead of them before they even compete for before they even compete to win the division, guys. The ceiling for this Lions team, seven wins. The worst I think they can do is go one or two wins for the season, but I expect them to go three and 13. And finishing off this NFC preview, everybody, we got the Green Bay Packers. These are This is another interesting team heading into this year. It seems like they had a relatively quiet offseason in terms of what they really needed. We know they lost Jimmy Graham, Jamal Davis. The biggest loss was Brian Bulaga, of course, not being able to protect Aaron Rodgers anymore. Losing Blake Martinez, Geronimo Allison, a great pass rusher, and Kyle Fackrell. The linebacker core took a hit, and the offensive line took a small hit as well. But they did gain some pieces here. Ricky Wagner, who was a good offensive lineman. You got Christian Kirksey, a decent linebacker pickup there. The tight end out of Cincinnati, Josiah Guara. Of course, Kamal Martin, the linebacker out of Minnesota. They address, they addressed the linebacker position there. John Runyon, the guard out of Michigan. I think he could be a starter in the NFL. Jake Hansen, another lineman, actually a center out of Oregon. Then you got Vernon Scott, a safety out of TCU. Jonathan Garvin, another defensive end. He's out of Miami. And then, of course, we know about Jordan Love, who has not been impressing whatsoever in practice from what we've heard. And then the Beast, this guy's looking like Saquon with his legs. And A.J. Dillon. I'm going to put the Green Bay Packers, though, as a borderline good to great NFL team. The Packers were one of the most deceiving teams, in my opinion, last year. Fool's gold, if you will, with that 13-3 and record. Aaron Rodgers is not the same guy that he used to be when it comes to controlling a game or really steering the ship to a win. Uh, he's not the same fearless gunslinger anymore. He's not that same guy that'll just throw it down the field knowing that he's got that complete pass. We know Aaron Rodgers used to be the most fearless passer in the NFL, and he has simply lost that trait now. 
I respect the numbers, but Green Bay honestly got handled like a 9-7 and football team in that NFC championship. The Packers had a disappointing offseason, in my opinion, not drafting a wide receiver, neglecting the defensive depth, and just not locking up any key players that they absolutely needed to. I'm not high on the Packers this year, and they're going to have to prove me wrong. The ceiling for the Packers, this is a 12-4 and football team with an NFC divisional appearance. The absolute floor for the Packers is 8 or 9 wins with either no playoffs or a very sneaky wildcard appearance. I do expect an 11-5 and record out of the Green Bay Packers with an NFC divisional appearance. That is going to wrap up today's episode of the What Offseason Sports Podcast. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in for this loaded episode I was able to put together for you guys today. The complete 2020 NFC breakdown for the upcoming NFL season. Of course, guys, never forget, you can catch this on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at. And like I said, if you're not checking out the link tree in the bio of every social media platform, you're missing out on every podcast, every content post, everything from what offseason is in the link, guys. Of course, we're going to be coming back with another loaded episode next week, an AFC preview, a 2020 AFC preview for the upcoming NFL season. Never forget to like, comment, subscribe on all of our pages, please, guys. Reach out, comment, DM. I'm right there on the other end to communicate back with you. This is What Offseason, signing out, everybody.